If you can find the deal that makes you valuable to other people, but you know, just walking around and smiling and you don't have experience or capital, nobody wants to partner with you because you're not bringing anything meaningful to the table. You had no value. <laughs> yeah. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the pleasure of doing another one of these multifamily kickstart episodes of the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of having Jimmy with me today. I appreciate being able to speak with you. It's uh, uh, I think I can learn a lot from you. So my big question, so let me kind of explain where I am. I'm in my early 40s. I'm, uh, I'm married. I'm on my second marriage. I have an MBA. I have a, I've owned my own home for 15 years. I mean, I mean, I have a mortgage, but I've finally gotten to the point where I'm mid senior management with my, with my day job. And I'm starting to really do well in the professional world. And I'm reaching the point where, okay, I have, you know, I'm, I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. I've paid off my debts. I've paid off grad school. I fired Sally Mae, kicked her out of the house, all that stuff. And so I'm looking at, okay, I'm 42. I'd like to retire by the time I'm 55 or at least move to a much more passive income stream by the time I'm in my late 50s. You know, if if I want to work, I can work. If I want to play golf and collect mailbox money, I can do that. So, you know, I mean, I was in the building product space through the recession and the bubble pop. I've been around real estate. I've been around construction. I mean, I worked with some of the biggest homeowners in America, home builders in America, DR Horton, Pulte, KB, these kind of outfits. I mean, and there's a whole nother model out there. There's a guy in Texas who's got an eight, who's got a really sophisticated AI model where he's building, you know, new construction to rent, new to rent, new to rent, new to rent. And it's pretty successful. But I look around, you know, I look, I live in Raleigh, the biggest the biggest uh, military base in the country is 40 miles away. Huge transient population of people that have jobs would be seem to be a good, a good rental market or a market where I could do some do some good business. Obviously, I'm in a town with several universities. You know, NC State and Campbell is not far from here, and Shaw and all, all these other schools and Peace and all this other stuff. So there's a large transient population here as well. I'm not really interested in being a flipper. I'm not interested in. I don't want to buy one house and rent it. You know, the, the, the headache factor in in buying one property, one single family property, you have, you know, limited marketing opportunities, you have a limited income stream. So the, the, the headache and hassle and effort involved in doing that versus a multifamily property, and I don't mean a duplex, I mean, looking at, you know, 10, 12, 15 unit apartment and get started and then scale up from there. The, 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 the workload and effort is not that, there's not a huge disparity. And my, you know, I don't desire, I don't want the 3 a.m. phone calls that, hey, my water, my water heater broke or, or uh, you know, the air conditioner quit. I want a property management company to deal with that. I just want to pay the bills and get the check. And what's in between, that's what I keep. <laughs> so I guess my question is, you know, and my big, my big ask is, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. How do I get started to get from A to B? Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've got the gift of some of the knowledge, but gaps. And so you need to connect the dots, right? So exactly. my, my two cents is you want to look at something that's full, so full, the full answer. You, you can do it the way I did it, but it's not the right way to do it. It's inefficient, ineffective. You've got a family and you've got a whole job to take care of. And that when you add on, I'm going to figure all this stuff out on my own is a nightmare. Just tell you straight out. You said a couple of things that are going to be challenging and we just need to work through them so I can really understand where you are. So when somebody identifies as a Dave Ramsey guy, that means they don't want any debt anywhere. And if that's who you are. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, in my personal life, I mean, I've got, I've got a mortgage, you know, but that's it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a, opposed to to going into debt you know i i've read a lot i've read a lot about uh about you know i don't agree with dave's philosophy when it comes to buying a rental property simply because you're not buying it's not like buying a house you're buying a a, a revenue producing asset and there's no business there's no business in america there's no business in the world that doesn't carry some debt so you're buying you're buying a business that is self-funding itself that is, is paying for itself. So that's philosophically where I'm, you know, I understand that is, that is a tool. It's like a pocket knife. If you use it the right way, it can be very good. If you use it the wrong way, you get cut. And where people screw up is they use it the wrong way and they cut their, their, their personal lives to shit because pardon, <laughs> but they, they, they hurt themselves by, by using it to buy stupid things like cars and, and, uh, and uh, you know expensive vacations and and the things that don't add don't add value. Whereas buying a revenue producing asset with with debt and that self funds and generates profit beyond that is that's a smart move. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page now. Okay. <laughs> so with that said, I I do believe third party property management is the way to go. Right. Just at the highest level. So the four step process for us: find, fund, fix, and flip. And flip is not flipping continuously like it would be a house. Flipping is refinance to get all your money back out because I don't want your equity trapped in it. If you do, if you buy it at the right price and raise rents or execute the business plan, whatever it is, you should be able to grow the value, refinance your initial money out, and then you're free to go do another deal or just have that money back in the nest egg. Does that make sense? Right. That makes sense. Okay. And so, um, or you can sell it, right? You may find that the asset is so valuable to somebody in the open market that they're willing to pay more than what you think is worth. And so that's when you exit, right? And those are why we call flipping it because there's multiple ways to get the money that you put in back out, whether you take additional equity or not, it's totally up to you, but that's the strategy. Finding the deals, I think is the toughest part for most people because it does take time. It does take work. You can partner with other people to find the deals if you want, but just know that they're going to be either looking for fee or they're going to be looking for um, a piece of the deal, piece of the upside. And so who is somebody who looks for fee? Wholesaler, broker. Those folks are looking for fee on their deals, right? And so they want to make money on the transaction. Uh, somebody who's newer or younger and they've got a lot of energy and they want to write letters or call people or network with everybody and try to find deals 
those folks probably want to be owners. So they're looking for ways to get in the deal. And what I teach people is that if you can find the deal that makes you valuable to other people, but, you know, just walking around and smiling and you don't have experience or capital, nobody wants to partner with you because you're not bringing anything meaningful to the table. You had no value. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, you figure out the way to find the deal. We we go through a bunch of different techniques. We've got an 11 week course that people can do if they want to go at their own pace. And then if they want to do one on one coaching, I help them just kind of work their way through the process because there's just so much stuff there and it always feels good at least when I was going through driver's ed to have somebody over there to say, Hey, think about this, watch out for that. You might want to consider this slow down, speed up, you know, all of those things are really helpful when just getting started and trying to get your bearings. Right. And then you move from finding to funding. And so that's putting the business plan together. Sounds like your credit score is going to be amazing. Just based on the things that you described, you probably got some really great income. So that W2 comes in place. And so I don't encourage people to buy duplexes, triplexes or quads. I really want to see somebody do a commercial loan. I really prefer that they do their first deal over 10 units and looking for your know, Raleigh's more expensive market than Greensboro where I am. But um, really looking to do something where the deals um, trading around somewhere between forty and seventy five thousand a door, so you can get to some decent size. Um, you without scale quickly, <laughs> spending a tremendous amount of money, right? And so you know you work through that. You pick your team. You're already talking about team. You pick your team. If you have other partners in the ownership group, so you can do a bigger deal because you've got to qualify on net worth and liquidity, then you can do that. And then going into fix it phase is just executing the business plan that you come up with when you're going through funding. And so, you know, you just work with the property manager to get that thing executed. We recommend that people have a weekly meeting and talk through whatever's happening in the property. Make sure you've got a finger on the pulse of what's happening there without getting the phone calls at three o'clock in the morning, as you mentioned. And then, of course, the exit is where you get your biggest hit, right? It, if you do this thing right, you're going to have a significant increase in the valuation. And so the thing I'll tell you about multifamily, Jim, is if you buy it right and you don't execute it well, you won't make money. If you buy it wrong and you operate it really well, you probably won't make any money. You can't you get out of lives. <laughs> yeah, you can't fix a, a bad cost basis. You also can't fix poor operations. And so what we want really want people to do is buy the property well, right? With some equity in it. You know, we're usually helping somebody who's ready to retire exit the business. They've got some deferred maintenance. So it's an opportunity for us to come in. You've got knowledge of products, right? So those building products that actually make the property nicer, more appealing are the things that allow you to raise rent or you make some modifications on utility bills or the way that the property is being managed and that allows you to drop down the expenses and that spread some of that goes in your pocket but the real important thing is you can grow the net operating income to a place where when it gets valued it's worth significantly more than what you were looking for and so in the ideal world we look for properties where we can double money that was invested over the course of five years and if we really want to in year three, we look to be able to refinance all the money out that we put into the deal. And so that makes it a really, really small window of properties that you can buy, but you can't make money in every business, right? And so 
we get really particular about the ones where we have that cushion, especially starting out. You want to have that cushion because there's going to be something that you didn't expect that could go wrong. Perfect example is I got a $3,000 plumbing bill. I got to cut concrete and replace a broken pipe at a property that we own. Right. I didn't plan for that. I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect it. And for some people, that's a whole lot of money. For other people, it's not. For me, it's neither. It's just irritating because it's taking money that would have been coming out to us and sending it to a plumber. Um, this is the thing that I like most about multifamily, and it's simply this. You bake in expenses in multifamily. And so we've been saving money every month, putting it in a capital reserve account. And uh, since we're going to be replacing the main drain, there's an opportunity for us to take money out of our capital account and put it in for this repair. And that's the whole concept is you plan for this stuff because you know something's going to happen. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. Well, you know, I've got a, I've got some experience in M and A on the corporate world, and and the reason I think that this this is pertinent is that, you know, in, in the in the times in my career where I've been in those roles and I've been evaluating deals, it's not uncommon to look at seventy five, a hundred deals in a year, and you might do two of them, because the market doesn't make sense, or it's different from the core strategy, or it's the price doesn't work, or you know, the asset is regardless of the price is not something we want, you know, so I, I have that meticulous background in my, you know, in, in my experience. And I think that's the same kind of mentality. And, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, as you said, the, the find is the key part and it's got to be right on multiple levels. It can't just be, Hey, I got a, I got a great deal on a shack. Well, congratulations, burn it down and sell the land. You know, it has to be the right, the right combination of market and, and acquisition cost and upgrade cost and and all the other factors you mentioned about about increase. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah. I mean, how many deals do you how many how many opportunities do you look at before you pull the trigger? I look at the ones that make sense. I'm fortunate enough to be in a space where people bring me things that have already been vetted in their deals. So, you know, I look and Yeah, but you've been doing this a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But starting out, I mean, you look at as many as you need to, it does a couple of things. It's not so much the one you buy, but it's knowing what you should buy, right? And to know what you should buy, you need to have other things that you can pair it against, right? And so, because that sets the market. If you know that, you know, there's six complexes in this general area, and the ones that you looked at, maybe their rents are $650, and you find one that's got rents at $500, well, you know, there's opportunity to grow the rent there, right? So that allow you to push the income. Now the question is, can you buy it at the right cost basis and make the improvements that you need to make in order to be able to attain those new rents? And if you are, 
then you're in a great situation. What's happening, particularly in the Atlanta market, is people are trying to sell their unimproved buildings at the same price as improved buildings. Right. So they're selling stuff for $120,000 a door, improved and unimproved. They're trying to sell them at $120,000 a door. Their rents are $400 apart, but the person who's buying it can't make the debt service work not on with their that, loan. Not with that drop in the rent. Because <laughs> the cash flow is not there. Yeah. So, you know, the, the M&A thing. So I wanted to be Thomas Crown. I don't yeah. know if you saw a Thomas Crown Affair movie or not, but I wanted to be Thomas Crown. And uh, I wasn't smart enough to go back to law school and get that degree. And I'm not an accountant and I didn't study finance, but this is my opportunity to be an M&A guy. Right. So we look the for the apartments. We see it as an opportunity to buy a business that has real estate attached to it. And that real estate makes it very interesting for the banks to lend against. And so that's how you're able to get these higher leverages, you know, 65 to 80 percent, depending on the property and its condition. You may find this interesting, uh, being that you're a real estate guy. Do you know what business McDonald's is in? They're a real estate business. They're a real estate. They collect they collect a percentage of gross sales or a fixed dollar amount from every franchisee, but they own the building. That's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a model they got going. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people know that. They think, oh, they're in, a, they're in the hamburger business. No, no, no. That's the local guys in hamburgers. <laughs> Um, where, where, where do you think as somebody starting out, where, where should I be looking for, for opportunities? I mean, you know, I've looked at LoopNet, I look, uh, I look at, I look at Craigslist, I look at bigger pockets. You know, what, what should I be doing? Should I be calling? I mean, I've got a few friends in commercial real estate. Should I be networking more? What's, what's, what's the, what's the, what's the, the best way to do that? I mean, as you said, you have, you have deals coming to your door. I don't have that. I've looked. There's nobody at my door. <laughs> Jim, I got a deal for you. You won't believe it. But even if you had a deal, would you know it's a deal? I think that's the big question right now. Right. And so I think every investor is working on four things, knowledge, deal flow, experience and capital. You need to know what a deal looks like. So that's why we start with knowledge. You need to know if you the business plan, have some confidence about the ability to be able to execute it. Right. And so you need to be able to put the pro forma together and all of the other things that go into creating the pro forma, which is really just the business plan. Right. From there, you apply that knowledge against all the leads that you get and you can get them off LoopNet. We encourage people to go direct to seller either by phone or mail in order to get opportunity to look at the financials and make offers there. Most of the things that go to the the listing boards are not deals. And so it's at least not as presented. And so you either need to do one or two things. You need to negotiate it to the price that actually makes sense for you, or just leave it alone altogether and go directly to the owners instead of trying to work with brokers. On the experience, I went to 10 banks when I was trying to get into the space and they all told me, no, I didn't have the right experience. And I said, well, I got an MBA and a PE. Yeah, we don't care about any of that. Six Sigma Master Black Belt. Nope, none of that matters. You haven't owned a property of this size and you haven't executed the business plan you're talking about. And so you'll need somebody in your circle unless you just have a really large net worth that, you know, over and it sees basically you can write a check for whatever you're buying, but you're choosing to use some bank's money instead. And they're going to want to see that money on deposit in their institution more than likely. But 
you're going to want somebody who has experience doing the thing on your team because it gives the bank more comfort in the fact that it'll be successful. And I always thought the property manager could step in and be that, but no, this property manager is not sufficient. Somebody who actually signs the loan needs to be in the same space. And so when people talk about experience in multifamily, what I boil that down to is somebody who signed the loan. You signed a loan before for a deal that is tied to a multifamily property. And then the last one's capital. Usually the person with experience has access to capital, right? Whether it's their capital or their network because they've been in the space and hopefully they're a proven operator. So whether you have all the capital or not, I don't think it's super important. You find the deal, you share it with people who have experience. Hopefully that partnership works out and you want to be building those relationships along the way while you're looking, but you know, hopefully they have an appetite for the deal that you create and you know what they're looking for based on that relationship building that you do along the way. But what you don't want to do, well, you can do what you want, right? But what I see most people do when they're screwing it up early on is they're going and talking to all these people about what they want to do and asking them if they want to be partners. And the person doesn't know anything about real estate, right? They can't even talk the language associated with multifamily. It's got its own vernacular. And so, of course, they get dismissed immediately because how could that person possibly bring me a deal when they don't have any understanding of what the mechanics of a deal actually are, right? And so they get dismissed and put in a bucket that they probably won't be able to get out of. And then, you know, you take the capital. People talk about not being able to do deals because they don't have capital. Well, you don't need a you don't need capital if you don't have experience because your biggest partner, the bank, isn't going to bring the 70 to 80% of the money because you don't have experience. You don't need experience if you don't have a deal because there's nothing executed against. And you don't know if you have a deal if you don't have the knowledge. So I always encourage people to start with knowledge. We've got an 11-week course for folks who like the way that we do things. We've got 20 people or 18 or so people who are getting ready to graduate from that in a few weeks at our conference. And then um, they take that and they take the relationships that they created and built in that and they go off and do great things. And that course walks people end to end. And some people don't want that, right? And so then we, we have one-on-one coaching for the people who are willing to pay a little bit more for that individualized attention. So that's the way that we help people get into the space. Um, there's people all over the country that do things the same way in general but they focus a little different. Our focus is on doing joint ventures early, right? We, we want you to do a smaller deal. I think it's the most efficient and effective way to get into the space, figure out if you actually like this, right? Versus just going and spending a million dollars or somebody telling you, hey, give me 50 grand and I'll show you how to get a $500,000 acquisition fee and all you own is a single family home. Like none of those things make sense to me. And when I look across the track record of all of the educators in the country, I've found that they all did a smaller deal early, got some experience, and then they grew to the other stuff. And so I get really confused when people tell me, oh, I'm just going to go syndicate a $10 million deal. I don't know how you're going to do it, right? Because now, what do you have to what do you have to sell? You don't have experience. Nothing. You don't have a track record. People are going to look at that and say, you know, you're a you're 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 nobody. So, yep. And so the credibility piece is super important. And I think you can sell that story. You, I think you can share that story a whole lot faster when you are 
somebody who's getting traction, right? I, I can tell you, hey, Jim, you know, we just bought this uh, six or eight or 10 plex in Durham. And, you know, we're interested in buying, growing, expanding our portfolio in your market. That one was just a test case. Do you have anything that's a little bit bigger? Yeah, you, you're, you're going to send me that deal if you have deals, right? I mean, you're going to share that with me. Right. Versus, hey, Jim, I need a 50 unit deal. And in your market, it's $5 million. And send me a $5 million deal or more, right? That's just, how do, how do I know you can do that? I, I don't. And so I like, they like the certainty of clothes. Brokers like the certainty of clothes, just like the owners do. And so that's, that's how we get it started. I rambled on, but hopefully that just gave you full context on how the game goes. No, that's, that's critical. I've been taking notes here as you've been talking. You made it to this juncture. So you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.